Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? little stuffed up. Not feeling great, but such is life. Sound a little hoarse. Yeah. Well, you were last. You were booing the ref again. (laughs) You could have been. I was no more down on the Oilers actually tonight than yeah, the me too. Me too. The refs, the refs were bad. The Oilers were worse. This is not a game we were going to hang on the refs. At least I sure am not. No, but they were bad. Dallas <laughs> won the game four to one. They yep. had um, thirteen grade A chances to four for the Oilers, and the four is being a little kind to Oilers. One's still in doubt. There's a play in the first that we're still going over. Another's kind of an outside shot by McDavid that he, he often scores on. So I think that was a great A shot. Fast rush up the, uh, the bottom of the circle. Yeah. I, I, yeah. We've, we've, it's a great A shot from McDavid. And I, the uh, only true one, the only five alarm shot, Bruce, was the goal. Yep. So um, Bruce, because I'm not feeling well, let's just, I want to hustle through this okay. as quickly as we can. So sorry if we're not given 110% tonight, but uh, to everyone. Well, this. we are covering the Oilers. So I think maybe what, 60% ought to do it. I didn't think I didn't think our team gave us 100% tonight, and Dallas just crushed the life out of them. That was that was like a big giant boa constrictor took over that game. Between the Oilers' goal with 9:25 left in the second period and the end of the game, we had one scoring chance for the two teams combined, and that was the 4-1 goal by Dallas. Oh yeah, nothing hey, else happened around the nets that really amounted to much because. The orders weren't getting through and they weren't getting their shots through. Yeah. Just want to adjust your camera a little bit, Bruce. You're in the bottom of the screen. Okay. Yeah. Someone was mentioning that in the comments last oh, game. Yeah. 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 We we can't see it here, but you see us side by side on the end yeah. result. And, and I'm always higher and you're lower. <laughs> yeah. It's because I'm six foot nine and you're five foot two, Bruce. Oh, it's because you're sitting on row 10 and I'm sitting on row nine. Simple there you go. All right, Bruce, what's your good thing tonight? Oh, good thing, good thing, good thing. Uh, well, one good thing is I didn't invest a whole lot of emotional energy in that game. I, I saw that as a, as a, as a write-it-off loss very early in the first period, and, and it never really changed. But uh, to pick a good thing from what actually happened out there, I will go with uh, young Ryan McLeod, who scored his uh, um, second goal in as many games, third goal of the season. And uh, what he showed on each of these last two goals in the last two games is something I admire very much in a player around the net, and that is uh, calm and patience. When he got the chance, he didn't panic. He didn't just drive it into the goalie's pads, or he didn't whiff on it because he mistimed the pass. He took it he, and, he, and, and picked his spot and put it upstairs, and there was no stopping that goal. And last game, he did a similar thing where he got a pass in a good spot. First of all, he was driving to the good spot again. And that time, he, he took the one extra step around the goalie and then lifted it upstairs. And he looked on both plays, he looked like a goal scorer. And that's one, I mean, that, that's a huge development, if true, about Ryan McLeod, because that's been one of the knocks against him is that he's not a finisher. Well, he sure looked like a finisher on both of those goals in these last two games. And, and uh, good on him tonight. Yeah, Bruce, he, um, I mean, it's good that he's producing points. The key for him is defensive play. Mm-hmm. And he was pretty solid defensively as well. Um, we we tagged him, I think, on one 
Uh, yeah, he and Skinner kind of muffed the puck between them at the side of the net, and it came out front for a, a real dangerous chance that Dallas didn't score on Skinner. Um, redeemed himself with a really great save on that one. But he, he was otherwise solid defensively, mm-hmm. and he had been, generally speaking. Yep. He's starting to at least saw off the, you know, the grade A chances when he's on the ice. So that's what you need in a third line center. And um, yeah, he's not, he wasn't part of the problem tonight. He was one of the, one of the better orders. My good thing, Bruce, is, was the, um, I thought Cody Ceci and Philip Broberry were the best two Oilers on the ice tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, Broberry showing remarkable kind of poise and confidence with the puck you know, that said, he did, he did, he rushed the Clarence shorthanded and rifled it up the boards um, that led to, that kicked off the sequence of pain leading to Dallas's first power play goal against. And um, that was, but that was really, uh, that was the only um, time I saw that. And and that was a tough play too. It was kind of a marginal error in a way, like you'd hope a player would make a better play. But other than that, super calm with the puck he moves around so easily on the ice mm-hmm. um he he's almost he almost seems languid he's moving around because he because he doesn't look like he's hustling hard he's such a big guy no. but he's fast he's kind of he's got that kind of dry saddle aspect maybe a big big guy who's moving fast but you can't tell because he's just so big but I was just really impressed with his composure throughout the game he was defensively sound he he and CC didn't get caught out on much of anything and um, played well. As for CC Bruce, I'm just just impressed again with his game. I thought he was probably the best Oiler on the ice. Mm-hmm. He got caught out on the fourth goal against, but that was a really tough play to make, where where you a guy you're covering kind of turns away from you in the slot and then tips it. You know, you know he's yeah he's facing center ice and it's kind of a reverse tip play. That's a hard play to stop, and he and he didn't stop it. But other than that, you know, Cody CC was fundamentally sound. He moved the puck well. He defended well. I'm just, I, I, you know, from based on the talk coming in, it, it sounded like there might be some trouble with this player. But he's been nothing but good for the Edmonton Oilers, and he's now their clearly their number one D man. Uh, Duncan Keith went out with an injury halfway through the second. Um, so. Um, you know, you could argue Keith was the number one D-man heading into the game, certainly on usage. He was. Yeah. They're going to have to play CC more. I mean, it's with if Keith's out, Broberry and Keith and uh, CC have got to be the number one pairing at this point, which oh. is quite an ask. Not for Cody CC. I think Cody CC can can hang in there in the top pairing, but I, you know, that's a lot to ask of Philip Broberry and. Good luck with that, but uh, that's with Darnell Nurse out, Slater Cuckoo out, and now if Duncan Keith is out, we'll see if he's out. Um, I'm guessing he's out just by what I saw when he left the ice, both in his in his posture and also the way he slammed his stick on the ice in frustration and, and, and never came back. It's like, oh, I heard something and I know it, damn it. I'm out for a while, but that, that's that's an educated guess by me. I've seen that somebody go down the tunnel looking like that before. Last night I saw a guy do that, or Saturday night there was a guy from Chicago who did that, and he was back the next period. So you never know. But uh, uh, I would say uh, the Oilers maybe without the services of Mr. Keith for a while, just at the time that they really needed him to step up and take on extra minutes. It's a it's a hell of a blow. I mean, Tippett said in the post game. 
that when I asked him about about the injury status, he said, well, last week we were running all three of Nurse, Keith and Cuckoo, and all three of them got hurt. Now we've got a whole new left side of our defense. And that's when injuries can really be a bear. It's when you suffer multiple injuries at the same position. And when you lose all three of your left defensemen at once, the one tiny, 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 tiny silver lining to all this is that left defense is the one position that Bakersfield has in spades. So they've already sent up Broberg. They've sent up Lagesson that we'll see tomorrow. And they're still sitting on Samorkov and, and uh, Nima Leinen uh, in reserve that we might see another one get called up between today and tomorrow. And uh, it's not ideal, but at least they're, they're, at least Bakersfield has got uh, a long suit at left defense. And yes. so that's the one, uh, uh, the, the one silver lining is that we're at least dipping into a position of strength on the farm. The leftorium is strong on the Oilers for depth. Now, there's a lot of third-pairing guys among them, but let's, you know, Dmitry Samarukov, and I don't know if it's Samarukov or Samarukov, as I say. We've heard we'll, both. Yeah. We've heard. He, he, we that's need to more yeah. games in Russian, Dave, and get it right like we did with... Yeah, uh, I don't remember what they said in Russian when we <laughs> when we were listening to those games last year. So long ago. <laughs> I don't... Re- it, it, what I do recall is how fantastic consistently fantastic uh Samarukov was in playing a very simple game for Moscow and he just was you know get the puck you know win the puck get the puck protect the puck move the puck he just played a simple smart game very consistent very steady not trying to rush or push things and now he went out with an injury earlier this year but he's been back I think for about 10 games now and I don't think he's tearing up the pea patch in Bakersfield and they might call up Nemo Linen instead uh, to give him more time to come back from his broken jaw. But if he can come up to Edmonton and play that kind of steady game, Bruce, that would be huge for the Edmonton Oilers. I don't know who they would pair him with um, yeah. on the right side. Like maybe with, you know, Tyson Berry has been playing. Tyson Berry, I thought, actually had another decent game. He was caught out on the one... Uh, the Grianov goal, right? Grianov yeah, was really flying good. at him, and he just couldn't handle his speed at all. Yeah, so he was caught out there, but he was otherwise solid. So maybe Samarukov and Barry could be a pairing. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. We'll, we'll see. Although I wouldn't be surprised if it's Nima Linen, who's also uh, played really solid hockey. And if Edmonton's looking for more size on the back end, which they might be, because mm-hmm. Russell and Barry are both smaller players, they might want a, a giant like Nima Linen. They might go with him. Thinking that that might be a pat pairing with Bouchard. Samorikov's a crusher, though, so there's that. Yeah. He does step up and really lay it on. But the last I heard, he was still wearing the face shield. I would rather he get rid of that before he has to get pressed into action at this level. Yeah. Dealing with that face shield is a challenge enough without, you know, having an extra handicap when you're just trying to start out and find your way in the NHL. So, anyway, we're probably going to see one of them called up tomorrow. Because I'm I'm fully expecting here Keith's going to be out for a while. So that's and Lagesson might get the first chance. And Wild Bill's oh, played. He'll play tomorrow. Yeah, he's played some strong hockey in the past. We'll see. We'll see. Bruce, um, what are we at? The bad things now. What's your what's your bad thing? Yeah, I'm going to single out. Even though I hate it doing it in the game where there's lots of problems, but Evan Bouchard to me tonight, he just never had it. And you look at the stat sheet, and it's plus one, and you go, it's a miracle. Uh, <laughs> and a 4-1 loss. 
he was on the ice for the two um, Dallas power play goals, and and uh, um, his man was the guy who tipped home the uh, the first one. But it was way more than that. It was like very first ship. He just tripped over his own feet inside his own blue line. Nobody around him. He turned and he tripped himself, and down he went. And uh, that was just the first of a long litany of things that went sideways, as in si- that's what <clears throat> sideways means in modern lingo uh, for Bush uh, for most of the night. And as usual, he did some things right, and he made you know some some decent plays. Uh, but in the first period, he he went down on his own a second time when a Dallas guy burned around him so bad he literally looked like he broke his ankles and just went crashing to the ice. He just for tripped. A yeah. Scoring opportunity, twice he iced the puck uh, when he had a clear look and a, and a headman path available and he just fired a, a a pass that missed the forward and went for icing. Uh, he took a, well he was the guy that was responsible for the too many men penalty that cost the game-winning goal by Dallas, a 2-0 goal in the first period that was already a killer goal that early in the game. And he just jumped off the bench for no apparent reason. It was like he thought Barry was coming off. Barry saw the counterattack coming, and he peeled back to the middle of the ice, and all of a sudden they had 3-D out there. And, you know, it was just he just wasn't in sync, I guess. And, and our, our count of scoring chances, we had tabbed him uh, as one of the culprits, of which there was more than one on most of these, but he was one of the culprits on six of the 13 Dallas chances. <laughs> and, and this was a night where Dallas kind of owned the low slot and the territory around the front of the net where they were getting the tips and the and the rebounds and the and the bang-bang plays. And, and uh, uh, I, I was not thrilled with Bouchard's coverage of that part of the ice, and it's a, it's a key part of the game. So... All in all, I thought he had a he had a tough night, and the part of the game that he played with Keith, I thought they both had a tough night, to be honest. And well, Keith Keith made six major mistakes on Grade A shots against six. So, and Bouchard made five. That's at even strength, you know. And a couple of them were really tough plays for Bouchard, I have to say, which is which is why I gave him a three in the game and not a two. It was part oh, yeah. partly kind of system errors, like on one of them, McDavid turned the puck over. And a second later, bam, up the ice for a breakaway pass. You could almost exonerate both Keith and Bouchard on the play if you're being generous. We weren't. You know, we, we, if, if you don't make the play, we, we, we try, you know, we try to be fair, but, but yeah. we also try to be bottom line. Like, if you don't make the play, you get the major mistake on a grade A shot against. And they gave up the breakaway. I there was another right. one where the puck, this is where McLeod and, and Skinner, Cassian first gave it away on the boards and then and then uh Skinner and and um and McLeod muffed it at the side of the net on the puck. And then it comes out front and Bouchard's facing a two-on-one out front and, and he blocked the pass initially, but then he didn't block the shot. So again, he's there, he's he's gotta make you want him to make that play. He failed to make it, so we we dinged him. So there was a couple like that on him, but there was also some howlers where he made mistakes and and I, here's what I, he, he got heavy. He was the top pairing defenseman, Bruce. I don't understand. Honestly, I think they should have been going with Barry and Keith, maybe on the top pairing. Tyson Barry has been playing better defensive hockey. It's asking a lot of Evan Bouchard to be a top pairing D-man if Darnell Nurse isn't at his side. It really is. Yeah. And he played 23-16 yeah. tonight. I think that 
like I like that they're sticking with him, but he really needs mm-hmm. third pairing treatment now. You, you, I, I can't read his mind, but it struck me that he was a little bit shell shocked out there tonight. Like he was having looked like confidence issues. I had a lot of. <laughs> As a beer league defenseman, Bruce, who makes all kinds of mistakes on grade A shots and goals against, I had a lot of, <laughs> I have a lot of sympathy for all the defensemen. It happens so fast yeah. out there. Like yes. even for for me, it feels fast in in a mm-hmm. in a weak beer league league. It seems fast, but for them, it just must be. It's just so lightning fast these plays, how they come about, and you just got to be so sharp and on top of it at the, at the NHL level, obviously, to make these plays. And he just he's lacking that sharpness right now, and he's. He's stumbling a bit, like literally stumbling. So um, I, I hope they can find a way to move him down the lineup in the next few games, which would mean moving Barry up, I think. Moving the veteran player. He is the veteran yeah. player. So yeah. let's maybe um, – and and obviously CeCe can move up yeah. the lineup. CeCe did play 24-44 today. Um, so – CC might have to start taking nurse kind of nurse kind of minutes on the right side in the next little while. See how he does. See if he can handle that or not. Like it's asking a lot of Cody CC to do that, but he has been a number one demon for a number of years on weak teams. You know he struggled in that role, but maybe now's the time. Yeah. Well, uh, Russell played twenty three minutes tonight. Uh, Broberg played nineteen, uh, and uh, CC played. Uh, some shifts on the left side, unlike the other night when Cook went out and it was just Nurse and, and Keith that swallowed up all of his extra minutes. And the, yeah. And so they had just two lefties playing three positions, basically. But tonight when they lost uh, another lefty and they didn't have Nurse in there or Keith, you know, that, that uh, uh, they started doing some of these funky defense pairings with two righties and stuff, right? Barry and CC and... Yeah, and stuff. So it was uh, uh, it was uh, a mess of a rotation, but it was a mess of a game before that. It was you know this was a game where the Oilers were the second best team by a mile for most of the game. My bad thing, Bruce, was Connor McDavid. I think that might be the first time this year that he's been a bad thing, if I'm not oh, mistaken. This year, his so. his uh, point streak ended. I guess 17 games this year, 25 games in total. And he only was in on, I think, two grade A shots. So it's not like it ended with him foiled by the opposing goalie. He he just could get nothing going against a, a very strong defensive Dallas effort. Uh, but the reason he's my bad thing is because the, the orders were down 2 nothing in the second, which is they didn't ever look like they were going to come back in this game. Probably not, mm-hmm. but you never know. And then the third goal, though, I mean, he got out there. Derek Ryan got pulled off the ice. Have they changed that yet where Ryan got the minus or on? I know it's still minus one for Ryan and McDavid wasn't out there, but that is an error by the Dallas scorekeepers. That, it uh, surely. see that they get it fixed. Got surely it fixed. is, because not only was McDavid on the ice, switching off for Derek Ryan, who got off the ice, he, he made a pretty horrendous error. Like, he stabbed at the puck in the offense. He was trying to get a steal of the puck and go in and, and score. And he kind of stabbed at it and did a flyby, lost battle, whatever you want to call it. And that completely kicked off Gurianov. That's how Gurianov was able to build up such speed through the neutral zone is because no one was there to check him, which was David's job. And that's what caused that goal against. And it was a, it was a big mistake at a key moment in this game. And, you know, McDavid can't be great. 
every game. Although we, you know, we had been his mark in the first ten games had been close to an, an eight out of ten uh, average in the first ten mm-hmm. games. It's going to be less than that in these in these next ten. Um, yeah. I gave him a four tonight. I don't. Yeah. I didn't think he was terrible or even poor. But oh, that, there was yeah, that one but... massive mistake, and and other than that, he didn't get much done on the attack. So. Miro Haskinen was all over him. I thought he had a really good game for Dallas. They had him. That would seem to be a hard match. And Haskinen is is uh, among the very best skating players in the league. And uh, uh, McDavid didn't seem to be able to find any room or build up any speed. speed. And Haskinen was a big part of that. He's a big, big, big part of that Dallas team. And Miro Haskinen is the player that Oilers and their fans are desperately hoping that Philip Brovery may become in time. But uh, that's a tall ask. I mean, it's the same style of he's well, big, he's fast, he's super athletic, but I think he's at another level. Uh, is he, is he's gonna I mean, be, he's older now. He's, he's got more experience, obviously. But he's a former number three overall draft pick, and, and uh, he's really emerged as a top-level player. 61190. That's what all oh, he is. Yeah, he's not that big. Jeez. No, I see Broberg more as a you and know, he looks big to me. Sure, I mean, he's big and fast. Let's put it that way. He's got such uh, such speed. He was taken two years before Broberg. Yes, yeah, and, and uh, well, they're both late birthdays. Broberg's August and Heiskinen is um, Heiskinen is July. Right. So they were both really young players in their draft years. I mean, um, Haskinen uh, just was just one year later after he was drafted that he that he made the uh, Dallas Stars and had a great rookie year. So yeah, I I see um like in terms of Broberry's development, I'm going to go of course go back to the 1970s for the mandatory uh, 1970 sports reference of the night. At his best, like mm-hmm. you know, the player that I see flashes of a, at his best, I see Serge Savard, like a, a great big guy, good with the puck, um, super on his skates, and mm-hmm. a, and and no, no, that's a huge stretch. Obviously, you know these these are just flashes, you know, in in, in terms of Broberry's potential. I don't I don't know what he's going to be like. I mean, oh. in Sweden, his coach who didn't play him much in the end thought he was the, the most talented Swedish defenseman he'd seen in f- 40 years. Right. Like, so there are some, you know, some signs that this player may really develop, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, Evan Bouchard has gone from looking absolutely fantastic uh, to a player struggling with his confidence, you know, from Sergei Zubov to Justin Schultz yeah. in, yeah. in a month. So we'll see how these are all young defensemen. They all really struggle. And one of the keys is when they get in these slumps, what happens to them? Can, do they get like, do the fans bitterly turn against them like they did with Justin Schultz or, and their coach lose confidence in them or do they, and, and is there a place where they can be, get sheltered minutes where they can be protected on the team? So they're not asked to do too much. And I think this is the strength of the Oilers team right now as compared to when Justin Schultz was on the team is Evan Bouchard should be able to find some shelter between two veteran right shot demon. He shouldn't be leading the team in ice time right now, I don't think, for right shot demon. That should be CC. Well, he didn't lead it tonight but because CC was ahead of him. CC and Barry should get more ice time the next few games and just lay off, lay, lay off a little bit and yeah. see how it goes. 
the trick there, though, is with a guy like uh, Bouchard or like Justin Schultz before him, if you have him on the third pairing, uh, he's going to spend more time than you want with third liners. And then what good offensive plays and passes he does make wind up being nothing. You want him to be out there with other good offensive players, and that naturally draws the some good players from the other team. So it's really hard to find the right spot where you can shelter him and yet give him the offensive opportunity that you want to give him. So that's the challenge. And, and Bush, I mean, uh, I'm not down on the player. I didn't like his game tonight. And I hope that, that that distinction is clear, that we're analyzing the performance of the player and not just the player's overall thing. But once in a while, you have to take step back and say, well, how is he progressing overall? And he he's shown some really good signs this year, uh, but he didn't show many tonight. And there's a couple of close-ups in on him tonight of him just kind of shaking his head like this game yes. passed him by, like it was going too fast for him or something. And he just wasn't in sync with it. And another game tomorrow, you gotta gotta bounce back and uh, uh, come back. The team as a whole has to bounce back and come back with a lot more determination uh, and and. Uh, preparation to to fight through and win battles tomorrow because i didn't think they had enough of that tonight i i like this coaching staff's ability i think to work through things with younger players like i think that there's you know maybe it's just because there is a better team there's more opportunity to do that you have more success with with that but we'll we'll see how it goes i mean they've they've worked you know they've done some good work with pulley rv and with yamamoto and other players so um i think they'll They'll be figuring it out with Evan Bouchard. And when Philip Broberry has his sl- defensive slump, is going to happen. Like, he's off to a couple of really good games. And people are, are, I bet you, I'm not on Twitter right now, but I bet you the fans are pretty excited about him. But um, as we have, and I, as I am and have been in the past watching him in Sweden last year, there was games where I just thought, holy moly, what a what yeah. a hockey prospect the Oilers have here. And then there was other games where he was just like, oh, yes. Like, uh, giving away the puck. And we'll see that with Broberry and yes. Edmonton. We are going to see it. So you, you just, I guess what this highlights, Bruce, is we were worried about what was going to happen to the Edmonton Oilers with Darnell Nurse missing. Tonight we saw, we saw the Edmonton Oilers without Darnell Nurse. And man, that was, yeah. that was a team missing an absolutely, utterly crucial element. And until he gets back, um, we're going to have a number of games where the Oilers are going to be hurting and hurting and leaking. Hurting and leaking. Yep. They they could have used his his speed, his uh, strength, and uh, some of his little bit of his mean streak wouldn't have gone missed tonight. I think the team missed missed that. Yeah. Um, fire. They, yeah. So they. What's your uh, What's your number? Uh, well, I got two numbers there: six and zero. And six is the number of Oilers forwards who had zero shots on net in this game. Half of the forwards didn't even manage one shot on net. By name, they are uh, Derek Ryan, uh, Warren Fogle, Brendan Perlini, Zach Cassian, Kyler Yamamoto, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So that's all the wingers on both the second and third lines, all four wingers that didn't have a single shot on net in this game. And I will recognize that the Oilers uh, didn't get their usual uh, power play opportunities, which uh, would reduce some of their offensive thrust. But uh, you got to get pucks to net a little bit, and they just uh, uh, they just weren't getting them through. And 
you know, um, in Cassian, he had a chance where he, he came over the brew line, looked like he was behind somebody, and it still looked like he could drive wide and power a shot to the net, and instead he does what he often does, which is pull up and try to button hook around and shoot on the backhand side, and of course he lost control of the puck, and it came to nothing, a promising-looking rush, and, you know, get, get your head over the puck and just drive right into the net. I mean, they're power forward. If you want to be a power forward, you've got to be able to do that once in a while. You've got to be able to do it. And I mean, that's just one player. I mean, Brendan Perlini, he got a number of minutes playing with both McDavid and Dreisaitl in the third period. And the play died on his stick, to my eyes. And, you know, it's, uh, it's not good, David. I wonder if the Mickey was taken out of Cassian by that hit on Hawkenpaw where, I mean, he looked like he was going to bulldoze Hawkenpaw, but it, he yeah. got bulldozed by that big man. Oh, he that looked, that looked that like one. his head might have quickly hit the boards on that play. And I wonder if Cassian was struggling um, a bit that game Maybe. because of of being shaken up on that play. Like, uh, like I wonder if that was what was going on. Because you're right, Bruce. Like, I thought, oh, breakaway. Like, he, he has yeah. a chance at a break. If he can just, you know, build a wall and power to the net. Yeah. But that did not happen on the play. And it was kind of, un- strangely, it didn't happen. So I just wonder about whether he was 100% at that moment in the game. Right. But the other guy's no excuses. Like, Nugent Hopkins, he's had a few weak games recently. And you know, this wasn't his best night for sure. Although the dynamite line had two uh, great shifts, one in the first and one in the second, where they were at all kinds of chances or not all kinds of chances, all kinds of zone time. Right. And were, um, but they couldn't get any grade a shots on either, either mm-hmm. of those sequences. And one of them ended with dry settled, a frustrated dry settle taking a penalty. Um, out, you know, he got cross-checked and then he, he went after the guy who cross-checked him. So uh, yeah, that kind of game. Bruce, it, uh, Go ahead. Oh, oh, I'll give you my number now. My number is 13 and five. Okay. And I, the reason I'm bringing that number up is that game had kind of a decade of darkness feel to it. It's, you know, y- you will recall, we will both recall many a November night where the, by this time of the year, the Oilers were freaking well out of it as a team. They were, they had no hope in, in, they, in, instead of being 13 wins and five losses, they were five wins and 13 losses and the season was over. So I, it, this was a really down night. That was a very, that was the order's probably weakest performance. Although maybe it was the opposition's best performance against the orders this year would be another way of framing it. But that had a decade of darkness, kind of down quality to that game. But this is a, this is a 13 and five team. They got a lot of rope here, Bruce, to play with. They might need it. Um, yeah. You know, fortunately, Skinner, you know, even with Mike Smith out, like they're, they're, you're, they're missing their number one goalie. They're missing their number one D-man. These are two <laughs> really important players on the Edmonton Oilers. Fortunately, Stuart Skinner, he had another pretty good game. Like, I, I don't really fault him on any of the goals against. And he made a number of big saves. He kept the team in there kind of close yeah. enough right till, right till, you know, the third period, till the fourth goal where there was a theoretical chance they were going to find a way to claw back in there, get a couple of power plays, maybe get a power play goal to make it 3-2 before that fourth goal, and you never know what could happen then. So Skinner is playing well, but they're going to need that rope that they have, I think, with Nurse out, unless until he comes back, 
um, they're going to be they're going to be battling hard to win games. It's going to be a challenge. Yeah, well, I got one coming right up tomorrow, right back to back against Arizona, which team on paper you think the Oilers should be able to handily beat, but Arizona's uh, record's starting to improve a little bit. They're playing closer games. Uh, they managed to win, I think, a couple games now. And uh, Edmonton, of course, will be coming on a back-to-back with all those injuries and a few bumps and bruises from tonight's game, I think. Like you say, Cassian, he took a real knock there. Yeah. It was uh, uh, it was kind of a, uh, uh, a hard physical night for uh, for a few others. We'll see what they got tomorrow. But what I'll tell you what they got tomorrow. they got to win that game or this road yeah. trip is going to be a disaster. they gotta, they got to... They got to find a way to come out. It doesn't have to be pretty. They just got to win it. Looks like Koskinen in that. So a big moment for Miko Koskinen here. Like um, yes. with Stuart Skinner playing so well, this is uh, mm-hmm. he's got some competition. So we'll yeah. see what happens. Competition. Mike good. Smith on the IR, but maybe not forever. And when he comes back, there's going to be decisions to be made. So the pressure's on Koski to come up with a with a really good performance. All righty. Well, let's leave it there, Bruce. Let's, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> let's do that. Not sad about that stinker. Thanks for talking tonight. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>